seated. So last week we talked about exploring, and I said I would do this, so I'm going to do it, but, you know, if no one wants to share, it's okay. But if any of you had any significant explorer conversation, well, let me just do a show of hands. Did anybody actually have a significant explorer conversation last week? Anybody? All right. I got one. Anybody else? All right. All right. Well, I'm going to keep asking, okay? I'm going to keep asking, and we're going to add another role this morning as we look again at the Scriptures. So, um, thank you, and I I am praying that you get these chances and that you get them throughout the rest of your life, of course. All right. If you're new here, there are notes in your bulletins. You can pull those out and get ready, um, and then we'll we'll get going here. So, guys don't like to be confused, and this guy was confused. You see, he was at a place in his life where he was ready to, to really seek. You know, and, and, and guys don't want to show up in a place of worship and not know what's going on. I think all of us are like that. We don't want to ask for directions at the gas station, and this guy is no different. He wants to know what's going on. And so he goes to a place of worship. He figures, if I'm going to figure out spiritual things, if I'm going to spend time uh, pursuing this God that, that has made me, that I'm convinced is there, then, then I need to go to a place where I can understand more and spend time with God's people. And so he goes, and yet he walks out, and he's still confused. Maybe this is even a worse problem because he is a, you know, he works for the government, and he's, he's, uh, he works in the treasury department. He's a trusted individual responsible for a lot, a lot of money. And so in his mind, he, he, he's wealthy, he's well off, actually no time for family, he's completely committed to this job, and, and yet he knows, even though he's got all the money he's going to need, and, and he's got this incredible government position working with money, working in the treasury department, he's still thinking, there's something missing, and I've got to figure out, I've I, I got to pursue the God that I know is there. I want this closer relationship. And so again, he goes to a place of worship. I'm going to figure this out. And he walks out, still confused. That's frustrating. And so he leaves, and he's going back. And he's riding in a chariot, and he's reading the Bible, making the most of his time. He's reading out loud. And out of nowhere, this, this person is like running up by his chariot. And he, and he, and he says, what, what are you reading? Do you understand what you're, what you're reading there? And, and he says, how can I understand? You, you can hear the confusion in his voice. How can I understand unless someone points it out, unless someone explains it to me? And so he invites this stranger into his chariot. The stranger catches his breath. And it just so happens that this confused man was reading in Isaiah 53. I'm glad it wasn't Numbers, okay? Just saying that, just saying that. But it was Isaiah 53. And he was like a lamb led to slaughter. And he remained silent. 
And he's wondering, well, who's he talking about? Is Isaiah the prophet talking about himself or somebody else? And at that point, his fellow companion in the chariot, Philip, begins to explain, this is Jesus we're talking about here. And he's the one that was slaughtered. In fact, we crucified him not too long ago. You know, and we don't, we don't know his response if it was like, why would you do that, right? I mean, but at that point, he discovered what he was longing for. At that point, the confusion cleared and he knew what was going on now. And even though going to worship in the temple didn't clarify things, now things were clarified. And so they're riding in the chariot and he sees a body of water. And he says, I'm all in. What's stopping me from being baptized? Absolutely nothing. So they get in the water and he gets baptized then and there and he goes back to his home with the joy of the Lord in his heart. We live in a culture where people know a lot about our God and a lot about what he stands against. And some of them just need to be guided into what it takes to have a relationship with them. How many times have I heard somebody say, and it kills me when they say, I, I will come to your church, but i got to get my act cleaned up first. Well, you've missed the point then of church, because we're all messed up here. Um, and how many times have I heard someone say, uh, I would accept God, but I know i gotta, I know I got to give up a lot of sin before I accept Him. And it's like, no, there's no power unless you do repent and you do accept Him. And when you repent, at that point, you get the power to change your life. And how many times has it broken my heart, maybe fewer times, but still a few times, when someone has said, I accepted Jesus, life didn't become easier for me, and so I'm... I'm I'm kind of out. And so we need guides. We need guides to help point people to Jesus. Because as easy as we might think it is, that, that we get it, you know, you, you surrender to Jesus, you get a new life, of course that's how it works. He died for you. But for other people, it's just that the connections are not that clear. And in fact, they may even come to church and they may have been going to church their whole life and it just was never clear to them. How many times have you heard that? Where someone says, I've been in church my whole life, but I never understood it was a relationship. Oh, that kills me. That just kills me. And so we need guides to clearly and boldly say, this is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Would you look at Acts chapter 20, uh, excuse me, chapter 8, verse 26. And let me grab a Bible as we do this. That's not a Bible, that's a hymnal. That won't work. Thank you. Thank you. You think it wouldn't be so complicated, right? You know? <laughs> All right, here we go. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Uh, if you're looking in your Bibles, oh, this is a great number, right? 777 is the page number. This is a special one, right? Oh. <laughs> no, I'm not superstitious. <laughs> Just kidding. 
Um, now an angel, this is verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship on his way home, was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of the scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak for his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Guides lead people to Jesus. Guides lead people to Jesus. Last week was Explore. Quick review of Explore. Explorers want to do really one main thing. They want to talk to people and explore their spiritual life, explore their life in general. They just want to care about people enough to ask them, how you doing? What are your likes? What are your dislikes? Let's just talk. And then they transition into, let's talk about your religious background. Where are you at with God? They're just exploring. They're just asking questions. They're just listening. They're exploring. Now guides want to be intentional about leading people from that initial uh, what do you think about religion to let me tell you the truth. A little more complicated. It is a little more complicated. So guides are challenged by two sound barriers. Two sound barriers. We looked at two sound barriers last week. Sound barrier number one was I just got to initiate a conversation. Hey, crazy weather we've been having. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right? Just initiate the conversation. Barrier number two is, let's talk a little bit about your religious background. Let's talk about how you are doing with God. What do you think? Are you near? Distant? Angry? Where are you at? Sound barrier number three is this morning, and guides in particular have to break through sound barrier number three. Number three, then, is moving from a spiritual conversation to the gospel. So remember we said invisible barrier. You know, it's there. You don't see it, but you feel it. it, it it's there. Okay? And, 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 it's, and it's hard sometimes for us to break through it. But i got to get through it, and i got to bring up the gospel. And so let's say I step through, and, and now I'm saying, um, can I tell you about my faith? Can I tell you about Jesus? I heard where you're at, but now I want to tell you where I'm at. And you do that carefully 
I'll get to some of the hows later. So, so you want to talk about the gospel. But now you're stuck again in between a very uncomfortable position. You know what I mean? Uh, again, it's kind of claustrophobic. I got a wall here. I broke through it. I'm doing great, right? But now I got this wall over here. This wall is so scary to me sometimes. I, I've gotten more used to it in recent years, but this used to terrify me. This wall is I'm going from the gospel to a response. Do you want to accept him? You know? And at that point, I don't want to be rejected even though it's really Jesus that they'd be rejecting. Or, or, or I, t- I tell myself, maybe they're not ready. They just need to think a little more. And, and I tell all, I, all these excuses not to go here, not to break through this wall. I'm scared to try to break through this wall sometimes. Look. If you're a man in the church today, and if you're married, I assume most of you pop the question, yourself and she didn't ask you to marry her i I don't know maybe it was the opposite way i don't know but for a lot of us guys we 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 ask we got down on our knees it was very romantic maybe (laughs) or maybe we're just driving the car (laughs) i've heard those stories too um and uh and we asked her to marry us and we knew she could say no we knew her dad could say no too but hopefully we got past him already and, uh, but if we got past the dad and if he said yes, it's probably actually easier after that now that I think about it. But, um, but now we got to her and she could say no and then we go home and, and, you know, if you've been there and if you've been told no, then you know that feeling. And, and I haven't experienced that, but I have been told no about Jesus and I've felt that. And, and I think that's a good point of comparison, especially because you think of the book of Ephesians and it says, uh, Christ in the church is like a relationship between the husband and the wife. This is, this is a match that you pray is made in heaven, that, that this person says, I want to become the bride of Christ. I want to say yes to the king of kings who wants a relationship with me. And so we're, we're here going, i got to break through. Do, do, do you want to accept him? Do you want this life with him? Now, uh, verse 36 of our text says, um, I love this, They're traveling on the road. They came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? I love it. I mean, he's initiating this deal. Um, Even though Philip asked him, what are you reading? But but he is is gung-ho. He's all in. And I realize every once in a while, you will get those people that are like, yes, I've been waiting for this moment and I want to accept Christ. One time I was preaching in in these services and I remember inviting people to pray with me. And there was a woman and, and she... I think I asked for a hand raise, right? You know, if you want to pray to receive Christ. And she was doing this, you know. And maybe she's here this morning, and I'm not making fun of you. What I am saying is I loved your enthusiasm, all right? I love this. I am in, right? And Ethiopian eunuch, he's in. He is in. But a lot of people that we talk to are not waving their hands saying, please tell me, I want to accept. You know, a lot of times they're going, oh, I don't know. But I want to encourage you not to let you, that stop you from asking those questions like Philip did and jumping in the chariot and saying, let's talk about this. Don't let it stop you. I was convicted of this a few years back. I was invited over to, it was a, we had a church service in Watoma and I was invited to go over to a woman's house and with her family, her kids were in the youth ministry and, and she just invited us over for Sunday afternoon lunch. And I'm like, cool, lunch, this is good. <laughs> I'm a guy. And, uh, 
And so I go to lunch, and I, I think I think we have brats or something. And, and so and so I'm eating. This is good. This is so great. And I'm eating. And she invited some other young guys and, and, and young ladies, and they were sitting at the table. I didn't know them very well. These people that she invited, and I got the impression during part of the conversation that maybe I was there to reach those teenagers. She was devious. Um, and uh, but. I'm eating, and I'll get to that later. I'm eating. You can see where the conviction is going to come in here, right? So the mother starts talking about Jesus at the table. Okay, I'm eating, right? And she's talking about Jesus. And and uh, what do you think? And she, she addresses the young man that I just met just that day. And she addresses him because he was in church that morning. What do you believe about Jesus? He's like, I don't know. I really don't know. I've been in church a while, but... I just haven't thought about it very much. And I'm like, okay, Pastor Nile, you know what to do. You're going to set up an appointment with him this week and get together and we're going to talk. I'm eating right now. <laughs> and, uh, and the mother says, well, let me tell you about Jesus. And so she starts sharing, okay? She's sharing to the whole table. We're all listening. And there's like, there's like eight of us, ten of us there. And she's just sharing to everybody. This is who Jesus is. He loves you. He died for you. She's going on. And... Uh, and I'm like, oh, this is so good. And I kind of start feeling that thing of me going, Niall, you're an idiot, you know. And uh, But she's sharing. I'm like, this is good. This is so good. God, I pray you'd work. I pray you'd work. And I'm doing this. And then uh, she gets done sharing. And I'm like, all right. He's going to be thinking about this. He's going to show up at youth group. We're going to get this kid saved. And then she says, are you ready to receive him today? You know, and I'm like, stop. Just stop. He's not ready. And he was ready. He was ready. And he said, yeah, I'd like to pray today. And so we all just joined hands. I put down my brat. And we joined hands. And, uh, and we prayed. And we prayed. And then I'll never forget what happened next. I'll never forget the next minute after that prayer was an amen. The kid's phone rang. And he answers his phone. Hello? I don't know who's on the other line. It sounded like a friend. Hello? And I'm sure the person said, what are you doing? Because his answer was, I just prayed to receive Christ. <laughs> you know? And I think he said something really cool, like, it was just amazing. It was like, I'm, like, I'm a child of God. He said something really awesome where he's like, I, I, I'm in, you know? And it's like, Niall, you idiot, you know? Um, are you, am I sensitive enough to know when the Spirit is drawing somebody? Because I know some people need to think about it. I believe that. But sometimes it's time to just go for it and just ask them. And if they say, i got to think about it, awesome. Now, that leads to another point here. Um, that's number two then. Guides often get permission to proceed. They often get permission to proceed. And, and you see Philip even doing this respectfully. If you look at verse 31, um, well, well, Philip's first thing that he says, I mean, Philip knows the Spirit's sending him. Verse 29, the Spirit told, tells Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Philip ran to the chariot. Here's the guy reading Isaiah. And then he says, do you understand what you're reading? Philip doesn't hop in the chariot and start saying, you need to repent, you know, you sinner, and, and, and just start laying it into him. But, but he says, do you, do you understand what you're reading? He's exploring. Do you see that? He's exploring. Where are you at with this? And, Philip, and the Ethiopian says, uh, how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? So he invites Philip to come up and sit with him. 
He invites Philip. Philip doesn't invite himself. I get sometimes God might be moving you to be bold enough to invite yourself in. But in this culture, and I think probably in that culture as well, there's something extremely powerful about respecting someone's right to say, no, I don't want to hear. But if they do want to hear, well, then you go for it. And so I think, and I know even from this text, there's this respectfulness Philip has for the Ethiopian, even though there's boldness in there too. So number two is, guides often get permission to proceed. Can I share with you what I believe about having a relationship with God. You see what I did? I mean, I'm just asking you if I can proceed to tell you. I'm not forcing anything on you. If you say yes, you can't blame me later for talking about hell. Because I ask your permission. And I'm saying it gently and lovingly. Another powerful word you can use. It's just one word you should write it down. Sometime. 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 Can we get together? And I, I can share more about the journey God's had me on sometime. I'll buy the coffee. I'll buy the lunch sometime. Now, that assumes you're going to see this person again. If you don't think you're ever going to see this person again, you may want to move through, your, through what you're sharing and see if they will listen to you. But if you see them around town or you work with them every single day, you've got this ongoing relationship. And so... Using that permission in some time respects their right to say, no, don't really want to hear it. I've heard it before. You can keep it. Hopefully they won't be that in your face about it, but if they are, you respectfully say, okay, all right. And then you pray for them like crazy that they'll change their mind. Something very powerful about not violating people's space, not violating their, their ability to say no and just saying, can we keep going here? Can we keep talking about this? Permission to proceed. So I don't, want to miss peop- I don't want to miss a chance with people, a divine appointment the way Philip had with the Ethiopian eunuch. I don't want to miss divine appointments, but I want to make sure I respect at the same time. I want to, I want to balance those things. How do guides do this then? What are pathways to Christ that guides use as tools? If you're going to do this, what tools should you have in your tool belt? Well, first of all, there's Christian community. Gospel, and the blank in your notes is environments. When you invite people into your life to hang out with your family or hang out with your church family, you're inviting them into a gospel community. Remember what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14? He's talking about speaking in tongues and prophesying. And he says in verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 24, if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody's prophesying, he'll be convinced by all that he's a sinner and will be judged by all. And the secrets of his heart will be laid bare so he'll fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. We have to be mindful of the fact that people are in our midst that are seeking. and They don't want to walk out more confused. Just like the eunuch didn't want to come back from Jerusalem, still scratching his head, even though he had an expensive scroll in his possession. He was wealthy. He could buy the scroll. He just couldn't understand it. We give away Bibles and hope people understand them, right? When you invite people to church with you, my prayer is that they get welcomed so warmly that they feel like God himself is shaking their hand. This should be a gospel environment. 
when you invite someone over to your house for a game night, I will never forget inviting a guy who was new to the Christian faith and he had a rough background. He himself would say he, he very sinful background and I remember inviting him for a game night to my house. He must have drove half an hour to get there, maybe 20 minutes at least, to get to my house for this game night. And I'll never forget when it was all over, we had all these couples over, and he said, I never knew you could have so much fun without getting drunk. I never knew. We laughed so hard that night. See, people that are in the world, bless their souls, they don't know the community that they can't experience until they see it. And you've seen it. You already know what a gospel environment is like. And then when they say things like, I never knew that could be so fun, then you say, can I tell you what we have that makes life so fulfilling, even more than playing games on a Friday night? And then you share. Gospel environments. Invite people in. A lot of people, I, everything that I've read about uh, people seeking in, in the 21st century, a lot of books that I've read suggest that people want to belong before they believe. We usually think they want to believe and then they'll belong, but people want to feel like they're accepted and then they believe. It must be just a heart thing. This generation is looking to belong somewhere. And hopefully they could come in here using some language that might not be appropriate for most of us and we'd say, it's okay. We're so glad they're here. We're so glad you're here. Gospel environments. Secondly, another pathway you can use to Christ, another tool in your tool belt as a guide is presentations. By that, I just mean gospel explanations. Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped one. Life stories. Go back. Sorry. Life stories. Gospel illustrations. Gospel illustrations. All I mean by that is you can tell your story. No one can refute it. God is real to you. He's active in your life. And you say, this is who I was before I met Jesus. This is who I am now. There's a difference when I met Jesus. That was a pivotal moment in my life. And then the person listening to you can say, hopefully in their own soul, I want a pivotal moment like that in my life where everything changes from darkness to light. I want that too. Share your story. You've got to talk about your BC, your before Christ. You've got to talk about how you met Christ. And then you've got to talk about what He means to you today. Please, don't make it sound like you accepted Christ and the stormy sky parted and the light shined on you and life became happy all the time from here on out. Because you and I know the Christian life is still full of sorrow and pain and tragedy. We know that. So please don't imply that. But you should tell them that in those tragedies, in the difficulties, you have your Savior taking you by the hand, walking with you through it. You have someone that suffered that knows sorrow intimately, walking with you through it. That's a big difference. And if He did deliver you from addiction... You can share that too and say, praise the Lord, I was free. You know, you can have some of those amazing miraculous stories too that are just as powerful. Share your story. 
Paul did that. Acts 22, Paul's on trial for preaching the gospel. He's talking to the chief priests. I won't have you turn there, but what Paul does is he says, I was going out persecuting Christians, and then I met Jesus on the road, and nothing's been the same, and now I'm a preacher of the gospel. He has a past. He talks about meeting Jesus. He talks about what he's doing now. And the people say to hear him, the people that hear him testify say, and I quote, rid the earth of him. He's not fit to live. And uh, that might happen to you. It might be that the people look you in the eye and say, you are crazy. And I wish there were less crazies out there like you. Okay. 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 And then you pray like crazy for him. You share your life story. Lastly, presentations. Presentations are just gospel explanations. There's different ways to do this. There's different verses. People like using John 3.16 because everybody knows it. You see it when they're on the, at the sports game. You can say, you know that verse, John 3.16? They're always holding it you know, behind the free throw line area. Some guy, crazy guy's going like this. Some guy's got to paint it on his stomach, you know, and he's crazy. But, but why do they do that? Why do they intentionally bring that verse into it? And maybe you just quote the verse and explain it, you know? You, you do something that seems natural to you. Uh, let me tell you what I like to do. A lot of you have seen this. This won't be new to you. But I want to share it for those of you that it will be new to you. Um, This is called the bridge illustration. I also call it gospel on a napkin. Because if you're at a restaurant, you can grab a napkin and you can do this. So um, it only requires really one verse you have to memorize. Romans 6.23 for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you can come up with that, and a lot of us know that verse already, um, you do it like this. And I'm sorry for those in the back that might not be able to see this, but I'm doing two cliffs. We and all humanity are on one side of this cliff. We like a relationship with God. God is spirit. We'd like a relationship with God, but we can't. There's a separation here. The separation is sin. And you know, I want to to tell you a verse that's important to me, and that's this one. For the wages of sin is death. So I'm going to write the words here. Wages of sin is death. Wages are what you earn. When you work, you get a paycheck. And when we sin... What sin is, and you should explain sin, because sin is, I want to assume people know what that means even. But sin is falling short of God's standards. God says, here's my standards. You don't lie, you don't steal, you honor me, you worship me above all other gods. He has all these standards. We've fallen short. We never, ever measure up. That's sin. We violated his commands. And what we earn, the paycheck that we earn, is death. And now we know Part of what death means is we're all going to die someday. But the other thing about death that you've got to understand is even more terrifying is it's a separation between us and God. It's it's a spiritual death. To be out of a relationship with God forever. No way that we can relate to Him, have a friendship with Him. There's a gap here and it's because of our sin. 
But the last part of Romans 6.23 shares an amazing truth. The last part of Romans 6.23 says, The gift of God is life. The gift of God is life. God wants you to have life. He wants you to have this. It's a gift. It's free. He's not going to charge you for it. You're already paying for your sin. But He wants to take it away and give you something free called life with Him. Life in heaven. A relationship with Him right now that lasts forever. The last part of the verse tells us how we bridge the gap. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through, or some translations say in, through Jesus Christ our Lord. The cross bridges the gap. Jesus came to die on a cross to save you from your sin. He paid your price. He took your wages. So He's forgiven you. Is that a gift you'd like to accept? If you would, let's pray today about it. Let's commit your life to Him. And then let's keep talking about what it means to follow Him. This is something I've used many, many, many times. And if you're scrambling and you're sitting down for lunch talking to somebody and you have nothing else around you, you grab a napkin and this is gospel on a napkin. I've seen people do it also where um, they put God up here, okay? So, so, you know, God's up here, we're down on earth, and then they put the cross as like the bridge into heaven almost. That's kind of, I, I like that too. I haven't used that, I'm not as, you know, this is kind of my go-to when, when, I, when I'm sharing and I want to illustrate it. People are visual, that's just the way we are. And this helps. So, um, do a gospel explanation. Use the bridge illustration. Use a napkin. Use your favorite verses. Use a tract. I've used uh, Knowing God Personally booklets. What we call them? K, KJP? Knowing God, KGP. Knowing God Personally booklets. I used to carry those around, you know, and I'd just pull that out and, and start sharing. Then I, then I discovered a tool that I liked a little bit more, and I use that now. Um, you use a tool that's comfortable for you and that makes sense to the person that's hearing it, but you share the gospel. Sometimes I've done it just as easy as this. ABC, admit, believe, confess. ABC, admit that you're a sinner, believe that Jesus Christ died for your sin, and confess Him as Lord. ABC, um, whatever works best for you and I think for your listener, do that. So I want to challenge you this week to be an explorer and to be a guide, um, I, I, I'd love to see even more hands going up saying, I had a conversation with someone this week. It was exciting. Um, I'd love to see that. If you'd like to talk more um, about how to do this, I, I welcome that. If you're here this morning and you, you've seen me do this now, this is the truth that we believe. This is the truth of Scripture just illustrated in a visual way. And you're saying, I want that. I would invite you to make a commitment today. I mean, this is, this is Jesus popping the question to you. Do you want this? He's got a proposal. If you do, doing it a little different this morning, if you'd like to talk more and pray to receive Christ this morning, um, I'm going to invite you this morning after the service to go into a side room over here. I have a couple over here that just like to talk and share and uh, pray a prayer with you this morning and talk about how you can know Christ and how you can follow Him better. If that's your heart, uh, no one's going to judge you. It's going to be after the service. We're all leaving. But if you would like to come into a side room here and just 
Let's just talk about it. Let's pray together. It's the most important decision you can make. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, thank you for accomplishing our salvation. Thank you for making it so clear. It's almost too easy, and yet we know that the Christian life is not easy, but we know that, that faith is it's just a gift. This is all just a gift. And so I pray that we would be a church that is quick to talk about the gospel, that breaks through the barriers. Help us, help me, because we all get stubborn. I get stubborn. Help us to not just think of ourselves, but to consider the spiritual journeys of others and how we can help them and lead them to the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. We're about to sing a song called, I Love